to be more holy. It's an ongoing work in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. It's not an instantaneous work. That's what our justification was. Our justification was an instantaneous declaration of God. You no longer are a sinner. Adoption is an instantaneous work of God. You are no longer a sinner. You are now my child. But sanctification is an ongoing work. It's a continual work. Although, in the eyes of God, it is a completed work. It is that which God sees us as. He sees us as holy in Christ. He sees us as sinless in Christ. He sees that the work of sanctification is indeed going to be carried on to completion because he will carry it on. And in the end, God sees the end product. Those who are fully sanctified. That's the process, though, that you and I deal with. The process of becoming more holy. It's not a change in status as occurs with justification and with adoption. It's a change of the heart and the spirit. I learned a new word this week. Vivification. That's the proper theological term to describe the change of heart, the change of spirit. That uh, is at work in sanctification, vivification. But you don't need to remember that, right? It's becoming more holy. That's what to be sanctified. Sanctified is that which is holy. They used to sanctify things in the Old Testament, making them holy. The New Testament speaks about the fact that we are sanctified. We are in the process of becoming more holy. How does that happen? Second point, by the Word and the Spirit dwelling in. By the Word and the Spirit. God uses the Word and by the Spirit works within our hearts drawing us to a new holiness. Drawing us to, to a life of purity. Calling us to a life that is sanctified. Third, the work of sanctification to be more holy by the word and spirit dwelling within, which is God's gift. This is not something we cause. It's God's gift of grace. God's grace continues beyond okay, our, our coming to faith in Christ. God continues to supply grace upon grace upon grace in that, that Holy Spirit dwells within us and through that word causes us to grow more holy by the destruction of sin. By that destruction of sin, not out there, not the societal sin, not the sin of, of those certain people, to use Jude's terminology. It's the destruction of of the personal sin that dwells within our own hearts. Our own sinful nature. 
Because you see, when God saves us, when God justifies us, when God declares us righteous, when God adopts us, our own sinful nature doesn't leave us. It's still here. Right? We, we're, not, we're not somehow made into angels with bodies now. You say, what other kind of angels are? Well, there's the true angels. They're the ones who are spirits. Okay? Angels don't have bodies. But, but sometimes I think that's what people think happens to us. Well, you're now a Christian. You're an angel with a body. Right? And, and it's like, no, that's not what the word tells us. We, we, we still have this humanity, and our humanity still has a sinful nature. That sinful nature draws us to sin. It's why you sin. It's why I sin. Right? It's not that God has failed. It's not that Christ has failed. It's not that the cross has failed. It's the fact that we still have this sinful nature. And we have to, sanctification is the process by which we put to death, not ourselves, all right? See, that's, that's what's going on in, 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 you know, those Middle Ages with people doing horrible things to their bodies, lying on beds of nails. I've got to get rid of my sin. I've got to punish myself. No, that, that's, it, it, it's not that which we do, Okay? Because the sin is that which resides within. It's putting to death the sin that lives within. The technical term we call for this is mortification. Okay? To mortify, to put to death the sin within us. That's the work of sanctification. So we become more holy by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit through the Word in our hearts, in our lives, causing us to put to death sin in our lives. That's sanctification. That's what, what we are all in the process of. Our brother Sam, Marianne's brother Gerald, won the victory this week. They're done with that. They're over with the battle. The battle is done. The battle is finished for them. They wear a victor's crown. We, however, are engaged in the battle. Every believer, every true believer in Jesus Christ is engaged in this war. That's our second point. Look with me at verses 16 and 17. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desire of of the flesh are against the spirit. Let's just take that phrase. Okay? The flesh is against the spirit. That word against there in the Greek is a word that is pronounced antikaimehi. Means to be in opposition to. Or we could describe it in this way. It's the idea of being pulled apart. In different directions. It means the idea behind to lie opposite one. It's a war terminology where you have an army here and you have an army lying opposite it. 
It is against it. It includes the idea to place fully against. Maybe you want to picture a tug of war taking place within your soul. Unreconcilable in its differences. Hence we get a word that perhaps we're more familiar with, the antithesis. The idea that, that there are these two opposing systems. Oftentimes we use the word antithesis to talk more about culturally and in the world, but there is in a sense an antithesis within the heart and soul of man as well. A believer. And that's the spirit of Christ, which is at war with the flesh. They are against. Now, but I want you to note how he spells this out. The flesh, our sinful nature, is pulling at the Spirit. The Spirit who dwells within us, the Spirit who lives within us, the Spirit who has desires, remember He has personality, the Spirit is person just as Jesus is person, just as Father is person. Right? Not, not necessarily in the thing, no, don't think humanity, but in the sense of uniqueness, distinctiveness. He has his desires, he has his will. The Spirit's will is always to glorify the Father and to glorify Christ. But the flesh, the, the sinful nature that resides within us yet, is pulling against that desire. The flesh does not want us to glorify God. The flesh does not want us to glorify Christ. It is always pulling against. It, it is always fighting against. It is always laying itself up against that spirit's desire. But notice the next phrase. The spirit isn't just sitting there dormant going, oh man, I really wish the flesh wouldn't work so hard against me. I'm really trying to do some good things here, but the flesh just keeps pulling and pulling and pulling. Okay? Notice the next phrase. The flesh, Paul writes, are against the spirit, but the desires of the spirit are also against the flesh. It's not like the Spirit's just kind of, oh, so compliant, just, well, you know, I'm just here, I'm just a meek, holy spirit, okay? I, I, I really, I, I don't want to get upset about anything, okay? Just want to remain calm and peaceful, okay? That nasty flesh of yours just pulling. No, it is also against. It is as much in opposition to the flesh as the flesh is in opposition to the Spirit. That's Paul's point. The Paul's point is that there is a literal war going on within us. Because these desires of the Spirit to glorify God and to glorify Christ are at odds with, they are opposed to that of the flesh. Which tends to be as you look at the list later on, very self-indulgent, very self-glorifying, 
very self-seeking. So maybe that's the way to look at it. The flesh is always pulling us to do those things that, that are self-satisfying, self-seeking, self-indulgent, whereas the Spirit is always pulling us in the direction to glorify God and to glorify Christ. Now, folks, understand, this isn't just for some of us. This isn't just what some of us deal with. This isn't just what some people go through. This isn't just, oh man, I must be a really bad Christian because man, I, I really struggle with this. I, I hope there's some day when, when I'll be like so-and-so because they never struggle. Well, if they're never struggling, they aren't a Christian. You don't want to be like so-and-so who isn't struggling with the flesh. Because Paul is making it very plain that is the realistic struggle for every believer. All of us. The flesh, which I am never done with on this side of the grave, is always pulling and pulling and pulling towards self. And the spirit, as it were, on the other end of the rope is pulling and pulling and pulling. For me to glorify God and to honor Christ. Sanctification, you see, involves a war. It involves a war. If I've been justified, I've been adopted, then that war is at work. Notice how Paul continues. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. These are opposites. You can't merge the spirit and the flesh and get some sort of, well, what, what, what did they used to call this? Carnal Christianity. This sort of mix that somehow is acceptable. It's okay to be a sinful Christian. It's all right. It's permissible. Paul is saying, it may be the reality of our lives, but it isn't permissible in our lives. The reality is, there is this opposition. There is this pull. There is this tug. There, to use the, the one term that, that is used here is the idea of, these two things are not reconcilable. You can't put together, for example, peace with enmity. You can't put together self-control with sexual immorality. There, there isn't some happy meeting ground that needs to be negotiated. Right? That's what, that's what we got going on in our world, right? We, we've got this opposing force on one side of a border, right, called Russia. On the other side of the border, we have basically most of the rest of the world going, I don't want to go at it. Let's negotiate. Let's come to some happy medium. Let's give in on some principles. You give in on some, and we'll work out some sort of peace accord. Oh, it might work. It, it, it might work in this circumstance. 
But it doesn't work here. The spirit is a non-negotiator. And so is the flesh. The flesh is not going to negotiate. It wants its way. And the spirit is not going to negotiate with sin. It also wants its way. This is Paul, right? This is Paul in Romans 7. So here you, you perhaps have the, 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 the teaching of what is going on. You want to hear the reality of Paul? Here he is in Romans chapter 7. All the good that I would, I do not, and the evil that I would not, that I do. The Apostle Paul dealt with this in his life. The only person in a human nature who never dealt with it is Jesus Christ. Every single one of us deals with this. But it's good we deal with it. You say, why is that good? Because if you're not dealing with it, you're an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever could care less. It just gives in to the flesh. It just does what the flesh does. Why? Because there is no spirit present in the unbeliever. There is no Holy Spirit dwelling within them. The reason why there is this tension in our lives is because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And that Holy Spirit is pulling and pulling and pulling, saying, no, no, Bob, don't go the way of the flesh. Bob, don't go the way of the flesh. Glorify God. Glorify Christ. If that isn't at work in my heart and in my soul, then the Spirit isn't present. And if the Spirit isn't present, then I'm an unbeliever. But there are, you see, and that's who Paul is addressing in part here in Galatians, those people who are Christians. But we would refer to them as legalists. They, they, are, they are so stuck on the fact that they have to do something to earn God's pardoning grace. That even though they, they're justified, even though they're adopted by God, the fact that they're struggling with sin, they see as failure. They see it as a failure. So there's no joy in their mud bill. You don't find happy legalists. You don't find joyful legalists. Why? Because there's no comfort. There's no assurance. There's no peace. That's certainly not what Paul is bringing us to in this passage. But for every believer, here's, here's the blessing. The reason I'm struggling with sin in my heart is because the Holy Spirit is present. In my heart. And he's waging a war. Against my flesh. That's the ongoing reality. Of our lives. As believers. Now is that hopelessness and despair? No. Why? Because there's victory. See this doesn't end in a loss. 
This doesn't end in our defeat. This doesn't end in our losing our adoption. This doesn't end in our losing our justification. This ends with us being fully sanctified. To be without sin for all of eternity. That's what God's doing. Preparing you and I for glory. And in the midst of that preparation is an ongoing battle and an ongoing struggle with our sinful nature. But you know what? We're gaining. We're gaining. We're moving forward. The Holy Spirit has never lost a battle. He never loses. Because when the Holy Spirit is in us, there are two things that we're going to do. Paul says, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. That's the instruction. In the midst of this battle, in the midst of this war, in the midst of this fight, what are we to do? Walk by the Spirit. Now notice how often this comes up. Walk by the Spirit, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, right? Now go to verse 25. Verse 25 you have, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, this whole idea of walking, Paul talks about that often in the book of Ephesians as well. Ephesians 2.10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 4, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you were called. Ephesians 5, 8, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 15, See then that you walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise. Or perhaps you remember the passage from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God? What does Paul say to do? He says to walk. To walk with the Spirit. The walk of sanctification. Two things. One, there is the teaching that Paul gives. We are to walk in the Spirit. That's an instruction. That's a command. It's just not sage advice. I think it might be a good idea if you walk. No, we need to walk with the Spirit. In this battle, in this fight. We as believers in Jesus Christ are to walk with the Spirit. What does that mean? It means to live. The word walk is to live. It's to live by the Spirit. How do we live by the Spirit? By fruit. That's why this whole passage you see in Galatians is surrounded by that. Right? But the fruit of the Spirit 
There's a tug of war. There's a war going on. What do I, what does Bob need to do? Follow the fruit of the Spirit. And you will not seek to gratify the desires of the flesh. What are those fruit? Here they are again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let us live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What's the Spirit's pull? Bob, live a life of love. Bob, live joy. Live peace. Live self-control. Live a life of kindness. Why? Because those are opposed to the flesh. This is how it comes down into my life. This life that the Spirit is pulling on through the Word, through God's teaching. As God's teaching, as God's Word becomes deeper and deeper dwelling into my heart by the power of that Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is drawing me to say, Bob, live according to these fruit. But he's also saying, live according to the gifts. Use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you. Need a reminder of what they are? Go home tonight. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gifts of the Spirit. Why are they given to us? They're given to us to build each other up. Why do we need building each other up? Because we're in a war. Right? Somebody else needs the gift of leadership that you may have. Why? Because they're in a war. Somebody else needs your gift of hospitality. Why? Because they're in a war. Somebody else needs your gift of teaching. Why? Because they're in a war. And the, God is saying, take your gifts, use the gifts that the Spirit has given to you, so that others are built up and not torn down. How are they built up? They're built up by the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and in their lives. But then don't forget that Paul, not wanting these Corinthians to get all puffed up with their gift, then reminds them that the greatest of these, though, is love. The greatest of these is love. Greater than knowledge, greater than prophecies, greater than speaking in tongues, greater than any gift that he's just listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He now says, and the greatest of these is love. We're in a war brothers and sisters in Christ, and I don't mean the war out there. I mean the war in here. Praise God we are. Praise God we are, because it's an evidence of the fact that we truly are born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Because we recognize that the flesh is at war with the Spirit, and the Spirit is at war with our flesh. And they're opposed to one another. We know it. We know it. 
It's no wonder Paul says, but thanks be to God. Because he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the doctrine of sanctification that we find upon the pages of your holy word. And Lord, you didn't leave us thinking that this struggle that we have somehow makes us an unbeliever. That somehow or another, because we struggle with the works of the flesh, that somehow that means we're not saved. Paul makes it abundantly clear. That's not true. That's what Satan would have us to believe. That's what Satan would want us to be discouraged about. That's what Satan would have us think, that you're going to throw out our adoption, you're going to throw out our justification. And the reality is, each one of us, as a believer in Christ, because the Holy Spirit is at work destroying sin and drawing us closer to your presence day by day by day. Ah, Lord, thank you. May we willingly engage in this battle by keeping in step with the Spirit. This is our responsibility. This is where we go as Christians. This is where we go as believers. We seek to keep in step with the Spirit, to show forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, to show forth the gifts of the Spirit, and above all, to show forth love. And so in this week of warfare, in this week of struggle with our flesh, we pray, Father, that we might indeed keep in step with the Spirit. In his name we pray, and God's people say, amen. Our closing hymn, 466, my faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary. 466, and once again, Olivia, as we did this morning, let's sing verses 1, 2, and 3. We'll have our benediction, and then we'll use that verse 4 as our glorious doxology of that which awaits the ransomed soul glory above. 466. Let's stand to sing.